0: If you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Genesis, the book of Genesis and chapter number thirteen, the book of Genesis and chapter number 13. Genesis and chapter number 13. Genesis chapter number 13. We are in a Sunday school series under the furtherance of the gospel. And with this, uh, Genesis is the first book of the Bible, the book of beginnings. And through this series, we're understanding that there are three prongs to be effective in giving the gospel out. And the first one is truth that people must have truth. And that to give uh, grace without truth is just giving them sugar and fluff and it's not going to help them whatsoever. They need truth. Now we're in the middle section dealing with the idea of friendship. That if we are going to be effective in giving the truth out that the people must be willing to hear it. And with this we have the the principle of friendship. We covered a little bit of it last week about being a friend. Now let's cover a little bit more of a practical idea in the book of Genesis chapter number 13 the book of Genesis chapter number 13 and if you don't mind notice with me in Genesis 13 starting at verse number 1 Genesis 13 in verse number 1 and Abram went out of Egypt he and his wife and all that he had and Lot was with him in the into the south and Abram was very rich in cattle in silver and in gold And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, and unto the place of the altar which he had made there on the first. And Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds, and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, so they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite And the Perizzite dwelt then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me, if thou wilt take the left hand, that I will go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart from the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from the other. Abraham dw- or Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And If you are in the habit of marking things in your Bible, will you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Genesis chapter number 13? The book of Genesis chapter number 13, and notice with me in verse 8 as Abram had, was speaking to Lot, notice what he said, let there be no strife, I pray thee. Let there be no strife, I pray thee, and with the Lord's help as we talk about friendship and reaching the world, we also have to understand this principle here of friendship is that there, let there be no strife, I pray thee. Let there be no strife. Now God has given his children a great work to do worldwide. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But a hindrance to this would be strife. Strife is a hindrance to keep help us to keep us from getting the gospel out yet it's one thing that we don't recognize as a hindrance as we read this passage here we could see <coughs> excuse me we could see that there was a conflict here between lot and abraham and we could see that abraham's plea here was that there would be no strife that there would be nothing here that would keep them from Um, there would be nothing that would allow them to squabble. Let there be no strife. Let's try to solve this. This should be a worthwhile model that we should have on our houses and our works and our churches. Let there be no strife between us. Let there be no strife between us. You know, it's amazing to see what the Bible has to say about strife. We're going to turn back to the book of Genesis chapter number 13 in just a moment. But I'd like to show you some things that the Bible says concerning the idea of strife. Um, Turn with me to the book of James chapter number 3. The book of James in chapter number 3. Now, as you're turning there... Um, The book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 spoke about that first century church after Jesus ascended, that they they continued with one accord in prayer. The attitude of one accord carries the idea without strife, that if you're going to be in one accord, you're going to be in a place where there's no strife. And this has everything to do with the blessing that comes upon a New Testament church is one without strife they're not dis- divided by strife and turmoil where does this division of strife come from by the way where does the idea of arguments and infighting come at well the book of James gives us this description the book of James in chapter number three the book of James chapter three and notice with me if you don't mind in James chapter three and notice with me in verse 14 James chapter three and verse 14 But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Here is it speaking about strife. Strife says wisdom. By the way, the Bible talks about in in the book of Proverbs that only by pride cometh forth contention. Only by pride cometh forth contention. So, where is there strife and envyings? You know, it comes from pride. But you know, with the idea of pride, pride says, I'm right, you're wrong. Amen. And this idea, this wisdom that I'm right, this it doesn't come from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. So, we understand where does strife come from. It comes from the flesh, the world, the devil. It comes in here to try to destroy, that Satan knows that he can't destroy a church from without, but he can make it collapse from within. And so if he could stir up pride, if he could work things up where people are at each other, sometimes it's the smallest thing. Notice as it goes on in the book of James in verse number uh, 16. It says, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. What happens is that it's a small thing. For example, this has repeated itself over and over and over. It comes time to change the carpet. And the pastor makes the mistake of saying, all right. We're going to let you guys choose the carpet. What color carpet do you want? And then what happens is you got the people who line up for the blue carpet. And those that said we want red carpet. And then what happens is those people over there, they have the brown carpet. And those, they want, the, they want a, a, a funky kind of design color. All right. And so what happens is that they rally up and then they start getting in camps. All right, all of us on the green carpet, we're going to sit over here and let you know this is what we want. And there's no other color that's acceptable. And they start building it up. And then they build alliances. Finally, they get with the brown carpet people and say, listen here, the only way we're going to overthrow those who want the purple carpet is if we join together. And there's no way we're going to stand for the purple. And you've watched entire churches collapse over something As silly and trivial and doesn't matter like carpet. What happens is that pride gets in the way. This is what I want. And because that's what I want, I'm going to stand my ground. And churches are destroyed for something stupid. No wonder the Bible acknowledges what's happening. This wisdom cometh not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So instead of a church concentrating on getting the gospel out, they're spending their time and attention on the carpet. And Satan's happy with that. If they can get their attention on something that's not matters and go to war over it and fight over it, then he's done a good work. That's what he is in the business of doing. Get him distracted. Get them so they're concentrating on something other than the one thing that God has given them to do. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Philippians. Now there's tons of passages speaking about strife, but I just want to highlight two specific passages. Not only where does um, strife come from, as the Bible speaks about in the book of Philippians, Or in the book of James, turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter number two. Philippians chapter number two. Notice with me, if you don't mind, Philippians chapter two and verse one. It says, "If there, if." Sorry. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded according to the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Here once again we could see this word accord. Remember the word accord we're defining as without strife. So, verse 2, it says, we need to be of one accord. Let nothing be done in strife or vainglory, but loneliness of mind. Let each esteem other better themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Others. See, what happens, strife gets in the idea, it's all about me. And I'm fighting for what I think is right. I'm fighting for this. And we spend so much time fighting for me that we hurt others along the way. Do you know that the book of uh, Corinthians gives a principle here of take the wrong? Take the wrong. What does that mean? That means there's nothing wrong with me taking the blame just to settle the argument and move on. But I'm not wrong that's not what it's saying it's saying take the wrong it means I'm willing to find Just it's my fault I'm sorry there's a misunderstanding what can we do to get this right rather than trying to fight listen here I'm right and you're going to understand I'm right or it's the last thing I do that's strife so what set it aside take the wrong take the blame So you can move on. Let them feel better about themselves. But nobody's fighting anymore. Let's go. This is what it's speaking about here. Look not on your own things. But look at the things of others. Does it really matter? By the way I heard one of the people that took care of that carpet problem. Is the pastor got green shag carpet. So everyone was miserable. (laughs) You know we've got to work on these things. With this, turn with me back to the book of Genesis. As we understand the principle here of dealing with the idea of strife, let's see what the, book sa- the Bible says in the book of Genesis and the story that we're covering today between Abraham and Lot dealing with the idea that there's, here's a real-world situation where strife occurred. and As strife occurred, how did the spiritual man, Abraham, Deal with this. The first thing I'd like to show you in the book of Genesis chapter 13 was the conflict between these herdsmen. The conflict between these herdsmen. Now we know that in Genesis chapter 12, God had called Abraham to do something for him. To call him out of the Ur of Chaldees. Had brought him to do a certain purpose. He also said that I'm going to bless you. And that everyone who blesses you is also going to be blessed. Do you know who the first recipient of that promise was? Lot that as he blessed Abraham, he was blessed. And so it came time, where as God had blessed Abraham, and he blessed Lot because he blessed Abraham, that both of their herds grew. And they had the people that watched the herds. They had their cowboys. And it got to the place where Lot's cowboys got in a fight with Abraham's cowboys. That there's so many of them, so many herdsmen, so many cows. They're fighting, you know, to keep them separate. And and there's a strife coming up. Maybe Lot's cowboys have, you know, we don't know what the strife was. But there became a big strife between Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. Notice in verse 6. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so they could not dwell together. And there was a a strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. So here, notice this. They begin to fight. Now, why was this such a big deal? Why was it a big deal that Abraham had to say, listen here, separate yourselves, you pick a direction. Notice it was Abraham being spiritual that said, stop. By the way, God had given the land, all of it to Abraham. But notice Abraham, in order to take the wrong, in order to settle the thing. Listen, there's enough land for all of us. Lot, you pick whatever direction you go. You go one way and I'll go the other way. No big deal. Now, Abraham could have said, listen here. You little pipsqueak. The only reason why you're being blessed is because of me. And I've been dragging you around this country, following me, Coat's tail, helping you out. It's me. You should listen to me. He could have done that. He could have technically been right, but would that would have got rid of the strife? No. No, not at all. He could have said, listen here, God gave me all the land. It's all mine. You go somewhere else. Go find your own land. This is all mine. Could he have done that and be technically right? Yeah, but would it end the strife? No. So what he did is he just said, you pick a direction. We got plenty of land you pick a direction I'll go the other way no big deal you choose Lot could or Abraham could have chose I'll go here you go here but he allowed Lot to choose so there wouldn't be any strife he purposely looked out for the everyone else now why was this such a big deal anyways why who cares if they were fighting notice what the Bible highlights at the end of verse 7. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Prezizite dwelt in the land. Now, God doesn't place anything in the Bible by accident. Now, normally, you might read over this and not mark that it's a big deal. But this also carries the idea, you know who was watching this? The world. And they were watching as two people who said they followed God started to have a fight. And they wanted to see how it was going to be handled. Do you know that people watch us? You know, the world laughs at believers all the time because of the silly stuff we fight over, the stuff that doesn't matter. Now, there are some stuff we should fight for. But you understand that there are tiny squabbles for example, we gave the, the example of the church. Uh, the, the church that was fighting over the carpet, which has repeated itself over and over and over. You know how silly that is? And you know, stuff like that doesn't stay within the church. you got people who are now coalition on the phone and talking. I can't believe that they dare want to have purple carpet. And they're fighting. And the lost world, they, they look at a church like this, that's fighting. Do they want to have any part of that? No. Not at all. Not at all. And so that strife is a hindrance. Here, the world is always looking for something that is different than them. Does the world have lots of strifes and problems? Are they always fighting? Yes. Yes. So they're looking for something that's different. Here's someone that's decided they're going to be at peace with everybody. They may not be at peace with us, but we're going to be at peace with them. We're going to do what we can to make sure there's no striving between us. And that we're not <coughs> going to go to war with people. Does it make sense? There's a different way of doing things. And they're watching in the midst of this conflict. Abram realized that they were being watched with unbelievers. And he realized that if the strife continued. That God's great work of evangelizing would, the lost would be damaged because of it. Remember, strife is the one thing that holds Back evangelism. Holds back evangelism. Years ago, in a church (laughs) different from this one, we had a lady who um, would meet visitors at the door. And as she would, they would come in the door, first time visitors, they haven't even sat down yet. She would catch them at the door and tell them everything that was wrong with me and everything that was wrong with the church. And we would wonder why the church wouldn't grow you know, you, you can't grow it. <laughs> That's happening. Pe- why would somebody want to go to a church like that? If you're complaining about your pastor and how bad things are at the church, why would anybody want to go to that church? Amen. And yet people take their grudges and they take their stripes and they fight. And we don't realize this is holding back what God has given us to do. Notice as we go here, not only do we have the conflict between the herdsmen, but we have the call of Abraham. The call of Abraham. Now, if you're not familiar with the call of Abraham, it's in the previous chapter, Genesis chapter 12. Notice what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation and will bless thee and will make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And all the land all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. So what we see here is that Abraham had been given something special to do by God. Now, how are we going to um, rise above strife and pettiness and what our way? When we're given... When we give ourselves to greater things, it enables us to deal with the lesser things. Does that make sense? If my goal is to reach the world, then these lesser things that keep me from that main goal need to go away. That happens everything. Let's say that there's someone who is determined to get a doctorate. All right. They that that's their goal in life. They're going to set aside some things in their life that doesn't matter in order to reach the main goal. All right? So this is true no matter what it is. When you have a higher purpose, when you have a higher goal, when you have a greater thing in your life, the lesser things don't matter as much if they keep you from accomplishing the main thing. Well, when we get to the place where the gospel reaching to every creature is the most important then these lesser things don't matter as much we'll just solve them whatever we could do to get them so they're not a hindrance and let's move forward well abraham understood that he had a promise on god's uh, that god had given to him and that through him the nations would be blessed he understood that there was lost people out there that didn't know his god but god wanted them he didn't know how it was going to work but he did know that god wanted to know them to know who god was too So, this is going to be something that's going to be hindering that one goal. Hindering what God is getting accomplished. God wants us to get things accomplished. But strife is going to stop that from happening. We have to earnestly contend for the the faith. We know that's going to happen. There are things we're going to have to fight for. The gospel, the Bible. Those are things that we have to fight for. Carpet is not. There are things that, that exist that causes unnecessary division among the brethren. There are things that are necessary, but there's enough things that are necessary that we don't have to mess with the little stuff. Does it make sense? Just move forward. Just move forward. We have a consuming call in our life. Abram knew about the call of God in his life and the promise that God had made to make him a worldwide blessing. He thought, I cannot allow this to keep God's work from going forward. I'm going to resolve this conflict. Abram's walk with God enabled him to deal properly in that crisis, which now brings us to this last thing here, the choice Lot made. The choice Lot made. Now, we also have to consider Lot here. Lot, there's, He's the other person in this story. We could see that Abraham had did what it took. Even though he could have been in the right in so many different ways, he decided to humble himself and do what it took to, to get rid of this strife. Now, of course, we know that Lot was not the spiritual man in here and didn't lead a spiritual life. But he made a choice. You know, if Lot was spiritual, he should have said, you know what, the reason why I'm blessed is because I'm hanging around you. Maybe I should stay where the blessings are at and uh, tell my cowboys to be quiet. I'm going to stay here with you. But instead, he looked at the well-watered plains of Jordan. He looked at Sodom and Gomorrah and said, you know what, I see opportunity. I see how I can make myself advance And so he made a choice. Anyone who starts making choices for this world and the things of this world and deliberately neglects the things of God, they're going to be adversely affected by those things in the future. And Lot was. Many of you are familiar with the horrible ending of Lot. If not, read Genesis 19 and read for yourself. That does not end well. But what we could see is that there was strife. Now, someone may try to defend themselves. And listen here. I'm dealing with someone who's not spiritual. So was Abraham. Abraham knew that Lot wasn't going to make wise choices. But he made let him make his choice himself. I'm going to do what it takes not to have strife. So I could go forward. I'm going to go on. It's not a big deal. As I had mentioned in the book of Corinthians. Take the wrong. Take the wrong. There is nothing wrong... With allowing people to be wrong. That's a hard thing to learn. Mm -hmm. Because pride makes us where we have to correct everyone's behavior. We don't. We can let them be wrong. Smile and nod. (laughs) Let them be wrong. Who cares? You know, we could allow people to be wrong and then expect God to teach them correctly later. You know that that saves a whole lot. We could let God to teach them in His time, or ready when they're ready to be taught. Just let them go. Smile and nod. Take the wrong. Just let them be wrong. It's not that big of a deal. You said, but it's major doctrine. Yeah, but if they're not ready to learn, you pounding it down their face isn't going to make them want to learn. Exactly. Let them. Just smile and nod, you know, learn to say things like, I understand what you're saying. I was talking with a preacher, I think this morning, and he was saying something and it wasn't quite right, but the way that he was talking, it already had things settled in his mind. And he said, do you understand what I'm saying? Or he said, does that make sense? I understand what you're saying. Great. And he went on. He wasn't ready to be taught. So that's fine. I understand what you're saying. Smile and nod. That way we're not fighting. You know, we can always find nitpicky things to fight. We can always find something. You know how many marriages would be better off? I understand what you're saying. Yeah, no problem. Take the wrong. You know, if you're in an argument with someone else, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I'm sorry. What can I do to make this right? that goes a long way. You know, you take a lot of energy out of the cells because they're ready to fight. And when you say, I'm not going to (laughs) fight, what can I do to make this right? I could see you're very upset. What can I do to make this right? You know, that could go a long ways, having peace within us, peace with others outside. Just take the wrong, take the wrong. Give you a peek behind the curtain. I do this as a pastor. I've been had a, once a lady who was sideways with me and, and uh, <laughs> went to her and said, you know, I could see that, you know, you're very upset with me. I want to see what we can do to make things right. Uh, tell me, what's, what's, what do you have against me? What, what are you there? And uh, this is one where she said, I just can't stand it that you're a liar. Okay, well, I'm a liar. What, what, what have I lied about? You have bragged about it every Sunday. okay. Say every Sunday when you present the gospel, you say that, that you talk about the Ten Commandments. And one of them is that we're not supposed to bear false witness. And you say that you're a liar, that you've broken that commandment. I don't know if I could be with a pastor who admits that he's a liar. Okay, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I am a liar. I'm trying to be honest, but I could work on that. Good. What else is wrong with me? And she looked at me. And she gave what else? And I let her complain about whatever else yes ma'am I'll try to work on that I'll write a note Good. what else you know when let her get it all out of her system let her everything there I listened to her and she felt like she was listened to and she was good for a moment but you know <laughs> what else is wrong tell me well let's fix it let's listen what else can I do to make things right it's all right take the wrong There's nothing wrong with letting people be wrong so we could have peace. I could trust God to work on them later to teach them what is right. I can trust God. But as for now, I want peace. Peace in our church, peace in our homes, and peace with the relationships without. Why? For the purpose of not letting anything hinder the gospel getting out. If we're at a church that's at war with everyone else, then the community is going to know that and they're not going to want to be part of it. They don't want to join a conflict when they've already got tons of conflicts already. But if we're someone who knows how to have peace and there's a spirit of unity, a spirit of accord, remember we talked about that spirit, they were in one accord, they were without strife. That's the type of church you want to belong to. Doesn't mean that we're perfect. It's just we decided we're not going to fight. Not about silly stuff. We're not going to fight about carpets. You say, pastor, what's going to happen? We're going to choose a carton. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're not going to vote on it. I'm going to hire a an decorator and we're going to trust them <laughs> to do it right. <laughs> you know, we're going <laughs> to we're, we're do what we can not to fight over silly stuff. All right, and if somebody has a wrong, well, then what can we do to make things right? I could see that this is an important subject to you. What can I do to make things right? Sometimes they just want you to feel like they're listening to them. You know, when we're fighting, we're not listening very well. Sometimes people, if they feel like you heard them, you don't have to agree with them as long as you heard them, then they're good. Sometimes they just need that. But this is part of that spiritualness of being able to set aside strife. Take the wrong. To listen to whatever it is. Knowing that this war of the carpet is not the purpose of my life. But God's given me so much more. And the church has been given so much more than fight for this. Take the wrong. We could see here as Abraham and asked